0: Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So let's dive in. Today's topic is actually resilience, and we're here with Sergeant Nepshield, who is the Master Resilience Trainer for the 36th IS, and as well as serves as the Chief MRT for Langley Air Force Base. So welcome, Sergeant Nepshield. Thank you for having me. So what does it mean to be a Master Resilience Trainer?
1: To me, it's the ability to facilitate conversations over the RTA topics that you probably have uh, discussed before, whether that's uh, in your unit or you went through FTAC or you're just going through the entire course to become a certified RTA, which is a Resiliency Trainer Assistant. I am um, uh, went up to the Expeditionary Center up in Fort Dix to be taught how to facilitate that conversation, how to bring things out of different individuals in a classroom, and then also to use those skills on a day-to-day basis to become a better supervisor, mentor, friend,
0: husband, things of that nature. That's outstanding. So when a person comes into the RTA, the Resilience Trainer Assistant course, they come in and they want to learn how to impact their unit, and they want to learn how to help those folks around them. They're teaching because of the AFI, you know, four hours a year, I think. But what is your goal when you bring someone into that course? What do you want to produce? I really want them to put the name to the skill that they've been
1: using their entire life. Uh, some have never been really exposed to things that they're going to find in the military. Um, and others that we see come in and they don't really understand what some of the skills are like gratitude for an example. We want you to be grateful for the things that you have. And it's all too often that we find ourselves dwelling on negatives. But then when we sit back and we realize there's a lot of things that we should be grateful for, like the fact that we have a job, we're getting <laughs> food, that the bases here for us to actually be able to go and meet all these different people. But those interactions sometimes turn negative, but we forget that we have the opportunity to at least meet that person uh, and learn from the negative and not how to be that person. So it's those kind of things that we're trying to reassure uh, each individual that although it's negative, how to build a positive experience out of it.
2: You you mentioned something that I really uh, like. You said um, here when people come into the military, they're going to be exposed to some things that they've never experienced uh, before. And I think um, that's not just the military. I think that's anywhere. I mean, our 18-year-old, 18, 19-year-old selves just don't have that much life experience. And you know, while we may think that we've got this whole life thing figured out, um, all of a sudden we're thrust into a new environment, whether that's you know the military or out in the working world or uh, going to college. You're in a completely new environment and there's different challenges um, based on the things that you're going to experience, many of which you've never had the opportunity to encounter before. And so w- what you're saying is um, the, uh, the resilience training provides us a way to handle the unknown, the things Absolutely. that we may not be able to um, uh, prepare for otherwise. And we might have used the skill, mm-hmm. we might
1: have had the skill, but now it's kind of like if you've never heard of these terms, now it's refining it or it's putting a name to what you're doing and then expanding upon that. So you kind of have some other solutions to go along with it.
0: Hmm. Oh. Well, and I know it comes to, at least for gratefulness, to stand on that example for a minute, gratitude can't re- coexist easily, at least with negativity. So if you work into a, walk into a workplace where everyone's just being negative Nelly and you say, hey, you know, but at least we have a place to work and we have jobs and I appreciate that personally, that changes the dynamic very quickly. So what kind of examples do you have of, of people employing resilient skills in the workplace? I think it happens all the time that we don't even know that we're doing it.
1: I mean, um, interpersonal problem solving is a skill that we get taught in ALS, uh, NCOA. i um, sure it's in the senior NCOA course as well. But then every time we have a, a problem with somebody, we have to have that conversation. And that's a resilient school uh, skill, interpersonal problem solving. Open the communication lines up. Talk to the person about how you're feeling about it. Be vulnerable to that individual, mm. and then recap at the end what you expect out of them and what they expect out of you to come to a solution to move on from the problem. Uh, all too often, we, well, that person's that person either because of I'm intimidated by them or their rank or who they are or what position they hold. But it really is like, as as the individual maybe in that position, when somebody comes to me with a problem, maybe I don't even know that I'm treating them that way. So as soon as they come up, I can adjust. And we see that, and we get those stories all the time about I was able to approach my supervisor. I was able to approach my spouse about this weird situation that's been happening for three months. And finally we talked about it, and it turned out to be this positive outcome in the end. And they didn't even know that they were hitting on that nerve every single day when they were doing it. And I just exposed them to that. So...
2: That, that's incredible. And, and what you're talking about is actually something that uh, Chaplin and I uh, discussed in our previous podcast, which was effective communication. Um, and, and you brought up a very good point, I think, is that it takes a certain amount of courage to enter into one of those types of conversations because you, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Uh, to that person. You're, you're letting them know uh, how you're feeling about the situation. You're pointing out, um, hopefully not in too critical a way, some of the errors in the process, maybe not necessarily with the, with the person and trying to get them to join you in, in um problem solving the issue. And that, I think that takes a lot of courage because not many people are comfortable mm-hmm. put, uh, going out there and putting themselves out there like that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Now, why did you become an RTA and then an MRT? So, uh, kind of in a non-traditional way, uh, but I think most of our
1: lives are non-traditional. That's true. So, uh, I deployed when I first got in the military. I'd been, I hadn't been, I had even been in a year uh, in the military by the time I was in Iraq, and a lot of things were going on, and kind of you come back and you have this transition period. Well, that was about nine years before I ever heard of the RTA program and becoming a, a, an instructor and assistant. Um, so it came across my desk in an email, like so many different opportunities come and I said, I want to do this. So I routed it up through my chain of command and ended up getting signed off by my first sergeant to be able to go and attend the course. I went there and immediately in the first conversation with the instructor was like, I know I'm in the right place. I'm going to find something.
2: And what were your goals at the time? Like, what made you want to do that initially?
1: Really, there wasn't very much. It just seemed like an opportunity to learn something different. I'm I'm, a lifelong learner, so Mm -hmm. I like to seek opportunities. So I went to the the class, and uh, the instructor hit a a nerve and a commonality that we had the same commander at one point. Well, she started to speak, and then she started getting really emotional, and she talked about how resilient this individual was, but then he ended up taking his life after he retired. Mm. And I sat there, and I listened to her, and I was like, he was that type of person, but then as we proceeded through the course, he didn't use any of the skills when he was my commander. Mm. And I sat there, and I was like thinking, why did he not do this? Um, but so yeah, just, he had the
2: knowledge, but he just didn't.
1: He had the knowledge, but he never implemented things. Yeah. And you would think as a as a person in that position, but that was before uh, he was my commander, before this program really came online under uh, ACC. So I don't know if he got the skills. He might have just been, uh, you know, blinded to them. But uh, so we went through the course. I excelled in the course by really grasping every concept and applying it and having different stories and how I related my career back to it. Uh, And then at the end, you do teach back. So you actually teach the skills, and you get two opportunities to do that. And they recognized me and sent me an email saying, we recognized you as a uh, leader of the course, and we would like to send you to the MRT school uh, later that year. So I got the opportunity to go and then become an MRT. Awesome. And since then, I've just been able to get through it and um, excel through the ranks, basically, and uh, really love the program and um, really able to expand uh, different situations in there and see the whole entire spectrum of what an RTA and an
0: MRT and how they coexist how they support the installation as a whole. That's awesome, and what you brought up there, I I find the difference between knowledge and wisdom is huge. And I've said this a bunch of times in quite a few contexts, but if it was just knowledge that we needed, we'd all be millionaires with six-pack abs. (laughs) And it's the wisdom, it's that applied knowledge. And so that commander is an example. Maybe they just got busy. Maybe they had these skills, like you said, many of us are using them, but didn't put a name to them. And when we really needed those skills, they weren't able to easily recall it. That habit had just fallen by the wayside. But we have a name to it, and we have people that remind us, whether it's this podcast or training that's provided by an RTA or an MRT, that helps us to bring it to the front when we need the skill. We all forget skills. Personally, I actually have, in front of me, I have a knee board from the Comprehensive Airman Fitness Program, but in my desk it... Work. I actually have one where I write down things that I want to know for that day. So, all the key counseling skills I use, some key information for coaching, etc., I review those bullets every single day because we need reminders. We need to. It only takes me a few minutes. It's not like I'm wasting hours, but we need reminders. And sometimes we serve as that reminder.
1: And that's actually a skill set. I mean, mindfulness, taking some time to yourself and regrouping, like you just talked about, that is huge. Every leadership book uh, that I've, I've read says that benchmarking the beginning or the end or the middle, some part of your day to take five, 10, 30 minutes out of your day to just relax and center yourself and remember where you're going to go and what you're going to do and just dwell on you for a second. And that's huge.
2: And to bring that full circle, um, if I could add a component to that is to uh, actually count your blessings during some of that, that, uh, time period, like you're talking about, Absolutely. Um, cause then you can employ that, gra- uh, that gratefulness, um, and, find a little bit of gratitude each day for the things that you know that w- went well that day that week uh or things that you're looking forward to that you're really uh grateful about um there's uh, actually been a number of clinical studies um in the the you know psychology field positive psychology field looking at um the impact of that kind of uh gratitude exercise on people's psychological well-being and on their rates of depression and it's um uh, you know positive indication for for both of those issues that's amazing
0: So if we had to, for the audience listening right now, we want to give them maybe one or two things. So if you as a master resilience trainer had the ear of these folks and you were just going to tell them, hey, try this one skill today, maybe it's something from your own experience or something that you teach, what would be that one skill you could share with them today?
1: For me, it's gratitude. Uh, I do like mindfulness to benchmark and take some time for yourself, but gratitude is the biggest one because we always forget why we're doing the things that we're doing and we dwell on negatives versus the positives and uh, positive psychology and positive work environments are the best environments to be in uh, hands down but that uh, gratefulness taking a second realizing why we have the things that we have even in surrounded by the negatives if you get fired from your job today and you can't wear this uniform or you can't go to work the next day be happy that you still have a roof over your head or that you were able to enjoy a meal yesterday things that you can dwell on that you have a support network mm. uh, the smallest things because that 's how i 've lived my life always go into a situation expecting the worst and dwell on each and every positive and always has uh, worked out to be the best positive situation possible
2: that 's excellent and for for me as a um, uh, i've considered myself more of a behavioral psychologist, so I focus on what people do um, if if I you know, can challenge you with this question. Um, what advice would you give people to turn gratitude into a behavior? In other words, what does gratitude look like?
1: It's really, that is a kind of a challenging question, right? Um, To me, it's listening. Hmm. So if you hear somebody complaining, what are they talking about? So if you're listening to the individuals that are around you, sometimes not saying anything is going to help them talk to you through a problem. So I've sat in a room and just stared at the person venting. And then when they're kind of done, just get to do the stare. And they tell you more. Mm-hmm. And it opens up the actual problem. So it might be that they're really mad about something that's going on in the work environment. And they think it's that person. But it might be something going on at home that they identify later in the conversation by you just listening to them venting. So it's taking that moment to just listen and be present for them. And then in that it'll build a conversation piece that you can kinda take some clues and say, is this the problem or is this over here the problem? And nine times out of ten it's this over here
0: that they didn't even realize was an issue that's becoming a bigger issue. Sometimes I call that the principle of the light pole that and if people come to my office for counseling and I do nothing but function as a light pole, which what does light pole do? They they don't respond, they just it's a light pole. It stands there and provides light. And if we just do that and let people vent and talk to us, they generally solve their own problems. Like they're actually, most people mm-hmm. are competent enough and know everything to solve their own issue, no matter how complex. And we just provide light. And, of course, I want to provide more than that and encouragement, etc. That's my natural vent. I want to jump in and say, "Ah, oh, here's 50,000 things you should do today. But the thing is, what can we do just to be that person? And ultimately, by leading to gratitude, there's so many positive effects.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and gratitude is a great way to, to help people reorient themselves. And I like what you're talking about uh, and listening to, to people. Instead of jumping in and uh, trying to help them solve them, pro- their problems, you let them get to that point themselves. And then you can help uh, them refocus from those negative aspects to um, not just the positive ones, but where they want to be and where they want to take themselves you know, to get to that point of gratitude. Um, would you mind starting that if we asked you a few uh, off the wall questions go for it <laughs> alright um, what is something you believe in that other people think is insane what is something I believe in yeah. that
1: other people think
2: um,
1: probably the lifelong learning to be quite honest hmm. uh, I don't I seek opportunities uh, I, I feel uh, that I always seek out opportunities to do something different um when other people say oh we have to go through four hours of rta training this year we have to sit through a, a resilience class ah, you know it's well let's sit there you're it's part of your do- job right and there's stuff stacking up at work but they're always going to be stuff at work <laughs> uh so i like to go into situations just to see what the situations are uh there's a meeting oh, let's go to the meeting okay you know what's going to happen so Going to those situations has opened a lot of doors, and I think a lot of people that find themselves stumbling through either a career or situation, it's because they're closing a lot of doors by not going to something or not taking mm-hmm. the opportunity to do something different. So I like to expose myself to as much as possible sure. to see if there's anything else out there.
2: Is there anything uh, new that you're, you're challenging yourself to learn right now?
1: Um. Well, actually, right now I, I I coach motorcycle safety for the state of Virginia, Okay. and they asked me about a month ago to become a quality assurance reporter, so I went through oh. that course. So now I have to uh, speak in brevity terms on writing reports, which is something I struggle with. the military, is writing okay. anyways. So it's a... Opening that door and exposing myself to something else and going through the course opened me and exposed me to the legislative part of how the DMV structure works with a motorcycle safety program and a whole plethora of other questions that I've had for the instructors. So it's a excellent opportunity to see how huge legislative and government works uh, on the yeah, outside. So I was like, awesome. I'm absolutely surprised by that.
2: Which, which is great that you got there from uh, just open doors and pursuing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Yes. Awesome. Okay, one more question for you. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say?
1: Smile. Hmm. Uh, This is actually I went to a suicide awareness convention last year, and a individual I'm horrible with names, so I don't remember uh, his name, but I remember his story. He was on the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, a bus to the Golden Gate Bridge, Mm. and he traveled back and forth. Once he got to the Golden Gate Bridge, contemplating suicide. And on the bus traveling there, he was just bawling in tears. And he said, as he walked back and forth across the bridge, he was still eyes red, tears still on his cheeks. Uh, A group of people stopped him. He's like, this is going to be an opportunity. And they said, can you take a picture? So he took their picture, and then he walked about another five, ten feet and jumped over the jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. He survived his fall, and when he was rescued in, in the hospital when they were asking him through the uh, through the doctor's appointments that he had and surgeries and things because he broke a lot of bones, uh, they said, "What did you want that day?" And all he wanted was somebody to smile and right. if you sit there and you think about that, that's so simplistic. but when he was on the bus crying. He said the only thing that he remembers hearing is some guy goes, what's that guy's problem? Hmm. And instead, that guy could have turned and just smiled, and everybody else would have smiled with him. And in the, it's just that that simplicity of that act changes people's attitudes all the time. So it's actually one of the times in RTA course that I say, you know, at some point, everybody just turn to the person next to him, give him this weird toothy smile, and everybody starts <laughs> to smile. So. Great. It's
2: true. And, and emotion is uh, infectious, especially positive emotion. So just a simple smile from one person would be a catalyst to you know, changing the entire uh, atmosphere. Absolutely.
0: yeah. Well, we want to thank you for what you do. And we know if people are interested in becoming either an RTA for their unit or an MRT eventually, uh, that they could contact the base, they could contact you. They can go through their commander uh, chain of command and kind of make that request. And I would encourage folks, especially if you're on the Langley campus, although I believe we're pretty low everywhere in the Air Force, to Absolutely. pursue this opportunity. It does not take a lot of time per year to do this, mm-hmm.
2: uh, and it's great skills to have for yourself. Yeah. And and you will find very many ways that uh, you can actually help other people uh, learn these skills, you know, either back home or back with your unit, or just people you randomly encounter throughout your life. Um, There, there will be opportunities where you'll, you know, remember some of these skills and be like, I can use that with this person. I can, I can brighten somebody's day. I can help somebody with this issue they're experiencing immediately. Very rewarding.
0: Well, and finally, we want to thank you for what you do. Uh, We know your job is not easy. We know that you work long hours, and that this can be all-consuming. But we appreciate what you do, and we're there for you. If you ever need us, you can look us up in the global address list. You can find us through social, whatever you need to do, but just reach out to us. And if not, reach out to someone next to you. Uh, We're here for you. Have a great week. Bye.